Hello and welcome to this episode of Why is the World? I'm your host, Miles, and making silly faces at me at the moment is Sevi. Hi, everyone. So this podcast seems to introduce you to different cultures, areas, and debates from across the world. And what are we going to be talking about in today's episode? So we're going to be talking about why is New Zealand COVID free? Uh, it's quite a topical question today and hopefully in you know maybe a year's time it'll be a pretty redundant question hopefully hopefully because hopefully the pandemic will have subsided um and we'll actually introduce you a bit to new zealand and a little bit about the the culture the people and the place where it is because as we the running joke on the internet they do forget new zealand a few times as we've uh, yeah miles is alluding to the fact that on maps because it's in the bottom corner sometimes the map doesn't have new zealand on it and that's not very nice yeah Uh, and we could talk about being in the bottom corner as well that you know you can change the direction of maps Uh, i believe you have a map that's upside down sevi I, I do. New Zealand is in the top left instead of the bottom right. Uh, so it's kind of flipped yeah. in that orientation. And, and when America's in the center of a map, then I'm guessing... I, there are, the there are maps like that. Well, it, oh, if America's in the center, New Zealand would be like middle left bottom. So like it actually so would it be more It probably wouldn't be cut off because it would be adjacent to Australia. Okay. Which is less likely to be forgotten. True. There's actually this... I learned about ocean hemisphere and land hemisphere recently. And the land hemisphere is basically like if you cut the globe in half, it's the hemisphere that would hold the most like land, like there'd be the most physical land. And if you actually cut the ocean hemisphere and look at it, New Zealand is dead set in the center. So in other words, New Zealand wins the ocean hemisphere. Like... Uh, and technically it's not like right in the center like the center would still be in water because like it's mostly water but new zealand's like right near the center so that's kind of cool yeah so so we're actually going off a little bit on we a are. tangent so, and i'm just gonna okay i thought i'd ask sevi what his experiences and preconceptions to the question are and maybe even if he's heard of new zealand before <laughs> that's that's very funny miles uh yeah no usually i'm the one who asks you first and that's why we're a little confused but you uh i bantered on too long so um yeah, so I thought I have heard of New Zealand. New Zealand, most people, I would argue, have heard of New Zealand. Um, it is, uh, it's definitely like one of the more interesting countries, in my opinion. And I feel like it'll it fits me well in terms of like its outdoorsy nature and it's like it, it's kind of friendly, um, positive attitude. But again, we will get to that more later. Um, <laughs> Uh, but like my thoughts on the question, uh, I, the way I saw it is like, oh, it's an island. It's easier to um, isolate. Um, and the government is pretty like forward thinking. And therefore, um, it like maybe that has something to do with the fact that it uh, is so COVID free. But uh, obviously, like going into more depth, there's always like more to the answer. And yeah, what about what were your initial thoughts on the question, Miles? It's, I, I'm guessing they were a little larger than mine. Um, well, yeah, I, I probably had known a lot more about the government response and how how the people had reacted to the government mm-hmm. response as well. So I have a couple of friends in New Zealand, uh, so I know a bit more sort of secondhand about the response and, and how that's gone and how it's all considered. And, and then obviously geography 
I know a little bit about that. So, so you sort of put all together to sort of think, oh, maybe that's why it's less likely to be, get COVID or. You were telling me you got a lot of news in the UK about like New Zealand's response. Yeah. So, yeah. So on the BBC, yeah, they, they, they heavily reported on New Zealand as an example of what to do as a COVID response. As a, like a, a better way, like a correct way? Yeah, like a role model for okay. other countries of similar, um, I suppose, money. So capital. in the US, we yeah. were hearing, like, this isn't a great analogy, but like, I feel like the country we were hearing the most about in terms of their COVID response is actually the UK um, after, like, just the standard response of in the US. So um, I think it's... It, it's, it's not a good analogy in terms of like being the role model, but it's a good analogy in terms of like, like another area that you're hearing a lot about um, in the world. It's interesting. I the U S was focusing the most, on, I guess it's what brings the most uh, clicks, right? Yeah. And it's interesting. The I'm now thinking like the U S wasn't really focusing on any places that were doing it really well. Like I, I definitely looked into it and found like, like Taiwan, like Singapore, like even China, like later in the later in the game, like we're doing had really good responses, even South Korea, South Korea was one that they were talking about a lot. Um, But I but I I think that was vastly underwhelmed by the news talking about the places that weren't going well, whether it was like Italy at the time, France, UK, or even just areas of uh, America of the United States. Okay, yeah, I think that we're we can now jump in a little bit more into New Zealand. Where is New Zealand, Viles? I guess we already kind of covered this, but we can be a little bit more detailed. So, so New Zealand is, well, as we said, it's it's off Australia, towards the east of Australia, in the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's surrounded by perhaps smaller islands. Uh, New Zealand itself is predominantly made up by two islands, which sit sort of one on top of the other, a north island and a south island where they're that's what they're actually separated. called yeah they're separated by the cook strait as we always seem to come up across with i'd like to maybe we should do a quick statistic on this is how many of the countries or areas that we've covered in previous episodes have been on the ring of fire apparently we just always choose the ring of fire countries yeah in fairness the like the ring of fire goes around the pacific ocean that does cover like it does touch quite a few countries um but yeah i I think that i I have a feeling the next episode is gonna be a little bit uh farther away from the ring of fire just a thought i'm gonna make it my aim to make sure it's not (laughs) not the ring of fire Fire. yeah and and i'm sure we'll get back to it as a, a theme um yeah, no, like off the Cook Strait, like uh, uh, Cook, James Cook, who was a sea explorer, was like the first person to really map New Zealand in any accurate way. Um, and as he like, he also mapped like a lot of Australia as well and different areas like around the world. Um, but he actually, he was like, went through the Cook Strait. And I think the largest mountain is Mount Cook, although it goes by its Maori name a little bit more. Um, and yeah, it, it shows that influence from that time period. So... New Zealand, as we've alluded to, is, is long and skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's almost like a, a north-south or maybe a north-east-south-west sort of direction. Yeah, it's like a diagonal. Uh, line. Yeah. And, and if you look at the plate it's on, it's also kind of a diagonal line, although it stretches much farther uh, north. Yeah. And it has a, a land area of about 270 
thousand kilometers. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's about between the Italy and the UK yeah. in size. So it's slightly bigger than the UK and slightly smaller than Italy. Uh, it's also about the same as Burkina Faso. Yeah, that's that's what I was um, going to say. Do you have any uh, areas in the US that we could compare it to? Yeah, in terms of like shape, it's a lot less like this, but it's about the same like area as Colorado. Okay, and yeah. how many people does Colorado have? So Colorado has about 6 million people. Um, and if you compare that to uh, New Zealand, uh, New Zealand has about 5.1. Yeah. Uh, so to actually a better state to compare like the uh, population to would be like Louisiana. Okay, but in terms of Colorado's size and population, it's actually not too far off. No, it's not. It's not terribly far off. Like that's not even like yeah. that's within us factor too. So if there's five point one million people in New Zealand, about uh, just over twenty percent would live in the uh, in Auckland, which is their biggest city, mm -hmm. uh, which is based in the North Island. But it is actually not the capital city of New Zealand. The yeah, capital the capital city is, is Wellington, which is on that Cook Strait we were just talking about. Yeah, and for the Tulsa to kind of go back a little bit, um, like the population, like it, it, another country, like what are, what's another country that like it's similar size to? Um, one one that I got was like Ireland. Um, Republic of Ireland is about the same like population size. Um, okay. Yeah. So a fun fact about the, the population yeah. is uh, pretty much everyone in New Zealand is within three degrees of separation. So does that means if any two people in New Zealand, they will know one person in common with each other. Is that what that means? Um, or no, that's well, two degrees. De it's three it? degrees. So you'd know someone in common at the very least. Yeah. But the, we've got to remember that this is also at the very least, like three degrees in theory covers everyone. Wow. Okay, so, so three degrees I, is your yeah. friend's friend's friend. Like, like yeah. they, there's no one more step. I think that makes yeah. sense. It's a small country. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite a cool, oh, not a really statistic, but a fun fact, I guess. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Yeah, I remember showing like my friends that I'd, I'd go and find someone famous. And they'd they'd go and like have a look at them online, and and they'd actually have mutual friends, and you'd be you'd just be like mind blown, like millionaires in New Zealand have one degree of separation with, um, yeah, people I knew. I bet that makes it a lot more tight knit community, um, as a yeah as a nation. That's cool. Um, another cool thing about like Wellington is, did you know what st what statistic it has that like, uh, what what about its uh, what about it being the capital is different from every other country? What would you Please guess? Please tell me. It's the most southern capital in the world. Miles is like, duh, of course mm -hmm. it is. Yeah, yeah no, no, it, it makes sense. Because, like, oh, we, we've co covered Chile, which actually does go further south, and so does Argentina. But their capitals are farther north, as you because, like, they're very long and skinny, um, as we've covered. We, we spoke about slopes. them being in the, in the temperate zones yeah. in Chile, where it was... It was, you know, in the temperate zone of Chile. And if you want to learn more about Chile, please go out and uh, check some of our other episodes. Episode two. Well, if you haven't listened already. Okay, so anyway, uh, let's get back to the stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, what else did you find about... What do you find, I think that's a good segue into the people, Miles. So what, 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 what do you know about, like, the New Zealand people? What, what are they like? Who are they? Um, so I think... 
so as with a lot of British colonies in, so um, when I say a lot of, I mean, comparing it to Australia here, uh, it's very similar in that most people are white uh, and they'd ethnically identify as white European. I think it's about 72% in New Zealand. That mm -hmm. was in 2018. And about 16.5% of people uh, identify as Maori. Now, Maori is the indigenous group to New Zealand. Mm -hmm. um, they came from a Polynesian culture mm -hmm. where they, they, they voyaged out from, from other islands and settled in New Zealand. Mainly Polynesia, which is like the South Pacific. Yeah. But the, the Maori were the specific tribes in, um, in New Zealand. One thing I think is really interesting about New Zealand is you think about people and people traveling, like starting like in Africa and going across the whole world and kind of like basically taking like all, not taking, but um, living in like all areas imaginable around the world. Like we're quite a like successful species in that way. And New Zealand was the last place we got to. Um, we got there in 1280 to 1350 is when the when the carbon dating shows that the Polynesians like came became like the Maori and like settled and like became more permanent uh, habitants on the islands of New Zealand. Um, and if you think about it, like that wasn't that long ago, if you think about like the history of the human race going across the world and um, and then it wasn't like it was 1642 that the first Dutch explorer, the first European in like a ship came to it. And if you think about that, that's like a little uh, over 300 years. Like, like that's nothing compared to like other indigenous peoples who'd been on places for like even millions of years. So. Yeah. One of the things that's, that's quite funny about that is that uh, I used to, to live in a, so one of the places that I previously lived in the UK, uh, my local church mm -hmm. was older or had existed as a church for about the same time that the Maori settled in New Zealand. Yeah, that's crazy. It, it goes <laughs> to show you how, like, yeah, how diverse the, like, time is in the world. Like, why certain things about New Zealand are the way they are. Um, I can say, like, uh, well, we haven't even mentioned, like, Kiwis is kind of the, um, the term that, uh, like, other nations and they themselves go by. Um, they, uh... So why are they called kiwis? So they're called kiwis because that national bird is actually a kiwi and it's a flightless bird. So New Zealand, partly through its isolation, has less predators, or at least you definitely used to before like people came in and brought more uh, animals. And therefore, uh, the, it was a lot of birds actually developed flightlessness. And not all of them survived. A lot of them have become extinct unfortunately but the kiwis is one of like the national ones and it's this cute little spiky bird with, like, this long little beak and it's definitely a, a national symbol in new zealand yeah you know the kiwi fruits yeah uh they were named because they look like kiwi birds uh birds oh okay uh, and the actual original name because the kiwi fruit actually originates from china it's called mm -hmm. the chinese gooseberry mm-hmm and then it's been remarketed as though, as, oh, okay. a, as a kiwi. Yeah, no, I, I knew it came from China. I didn't realize that, like, I, I, I saw things that said they looked similar, but I didn't realize, like, 
no, that they look so, the names are because they look similar. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing is like if like you talked about sixteen point five percent Maori to give you a better sense of that, it's like one in six uh, people in New Zealand are Maori descent. Um, and unfortunately, there's no no one who's like a hundred percent Maori anymore. Um, but uh, uh, that kind of gives you a better sense of how that looks. And they reside mostly in the North Island, like along the two northern tips. So the North Island kind of has like two areas that jut out. Um, one of them juts out to Auckland and like Auckland's on part of that area that juts out in a harbor. Um, but if you keep going to the tip and you go to the other tip, which juts out a little bit less, one juts out to the northwest, one to the northeast. Um, that's where a, a large segment of the Maori population live and speak Maori. Yeah, um, it's quite um so we can talk about how maori culture has been um infused into the new zealand culture and the way it's mixed uh we spoke just briefly before we actually started recording sevi and i about how uh, a lot of slang words in new zealand are maori words yeah um and and how the use of maori is seen as a national pride and everybody uh respects Maori languages and how how it's uh, it is part of the culture, the everyday culture. A good example from the governance standpoint is they have seats like on their like councils that are like dedicated to Maori members and that only Maori uh, individuals can vote for those people can optionally vote. Yeah. And just with the the culture, it actually comes from quite a dark place. The British uh, tried to assimilate uh, mm -hmm. Maori culture or essentially remove by suppression and uh, trying to grow the European uh, population. And so after many years of being oppressed, uh, it's at least recognized and now is obviously um, in the major part of the culture, thankfully, and, and has not been removed completely and, and, that's right. that's obviously a good thing, but it does come from that uh, place of being oppressed. But I see that I see that as like connecting to New Zealand a lot, which is the like other countries have definitely fallen, have been in that area too, and they haven't necessarily um, looked back on it as as like a, as large of a mistake and haven't made steps to improve over time. And I don't know. I see that as a distinct feature of the people like the people are definitely very friendly but like they're also willing to like do something about it and really like look back at their history and like say oh like what mistakes have we made what can we build and learn from that and continue yeah. on and i'd even we'll, we'll get into how that connects to the question very soon mm -hmm. uh, one thing that we didn't mention which um you perhaps alluded to slightly with uh an outdoor lifestyle that people have in new zealand is the actual geography of uh, New Zealand, more of the physical geography, how it has uh, fjords in the south that are you know incredibly famous. If you look at anything travel related with New Zealand, they'd say go to Milford Sound. That's the um, the great looking fjord in the the southern part of one of the, the larger south tourist Island. destinations. Yes. Yeah, it's obviously a, it's a very popular place to go skiing as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's very and it's surfing. Well known for its and and surfing as well. I don't think they do the same, two at the same time. Uh, but, Although you could do two in the same day, like if, that, that, like New Zealand, like yeah, the water could, mounts yeah. are really close because it's long and skinny. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
so like for example one third of their land is national parks right is dedicated to like basically strictly protecting the outdoors um and i think part of it's because humans came so late but they also have like uh one of the largest um uh like for example if you look at like if if you count the animals in the country like only five percent of them are humans <laughs> and that's the uh, lowest percentage of any nation in the world and i think a lot of that has to do with like the fact that they came uh like humans came to the uh, island a little bit later, but also the fact that they're very outdoorsy. They protect their land, right? Like a third of the land is, um, uh, and not to mention it's like, it's very, it's got lots of, lots of mountains, lots of oceans. Like it breeds a lot of diversity in that way. A lot of biodiversity. Yeah. Um, do you know what the, the climate's like? Yeah. So the climate's, uh, you, you think, oh, uh, New Zealand, it's really far South. It's like right above Antarctica. Uh, you think it'd be like really cold and it definitely has like colder parts. The Southern Island's definitely colder than the Northern, but it's actually like, uh, far enough North that it, it is pretty temperate, um, a temperate climate. So you're, you're getting like warm summer days up into like, maybe like the high, like at highest, uh, 80 degrees or, um, I don't know what, uh, what would that be? Like 35 Celsius, um, something like that. Yeah. And uh, but like, it's, it's usually a lot more moderate, like around like 25, 70, um, in like summers and then, uh, closer to like maybe 50 Fahrenheit, um, or, uh, doing all these conversions is hurting my head. Uh, what's that? So like 15, 10 degrees. 10 degrees. Yeah. yeah. So like uh, on the lower end, um, in the winter and remember the winter and summers, uh, are flipped if you live in the Northern hemisphere, cause this is the South Southern. Yeah, and the further south you go, it gets colder as well. So their record um, minimum temperature is, uh, you know, <laughs> minus twenty five degrees Celsius, yeah, uh, and that's minus, that's minus fourteen Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, that was actually recorded in the like the bottom of the South Island at Otago, which um, just as a, a shout out to my friends, that was uh, has a great university. I heard. Okay. Yeah, and and like it definitely gets snow down there. And then same with like on the mountain peaks, even up North, um, the North has a little bit more volcanic mountain peaks, whereas the South is more like more chains. Yeah. So what else did you want to introduce about New Zealand before we get into the, the COVID question? So there's definitely like, like the fact everybody's fats about New Zealand is low. There's more sheep than people. And it's true. Like right yeah. now, based on like current numbers it's about five times more um i think historically it was higher sheep and specifically wool was a huge exporter for them but it actually is like it's been surpassed by wine now which is really interesting uh vineyards are becoming a bigger deal in new zealand and uh, a lot of other industries have kind of supplanted wool because wool has become uh, so inexpensive over time um but there are still a lot of sheep in new zealand um and it, uh, it definitely brings the like the, the people numbers down uh let's just start the question cool so let's start with you said you have some friends in new zealand like what are they up to now what's life like for them in like our our, our pandemic world we're recording this as of um early may in 2021 uh life's pretty normal what do you mean by normal um so almost pre-covid they still have some restrictions in place i think there's restrictions to do with the swimming okay um but apart from that it's you know you can go clubbing yeah 
<laughs> which is <laughs> i've heard as uh, like a friend's friend who lives in New Zealand, they're like, yeah, they're going to music festivals. They're just hanging out. Like, it, it, basically, I'd say the biggest change to pre-COVID in New Zealand is just, like, a lot less tourists. And by a lot less, I mean, like, none. They have Australian tourists at the moment. Yeah, and I've heard, like, so we, we could talk a little, we can go back to Australia, but, like, I've heard it's been on and off in terms of, like, the opening the borders and closing them due to, like, cases like popping up okay we, we, we can come back to that uh near the time so do you want to take us on a bit of a maybe a chronological order yeah let's of do that what happened sort of thing so the the sort of the summary before we start going into the chronological order i'd say that it was esteemed the best covid response from countries and um with the chronological order we might be able to just add in a perhaps little reasons why they're able to do certain things and other countries are not able to do those. Yeah. And best doesn't mean that they like everybody started with an equal playing field. Um, like, like you look at like, for example, China, like it started there, like they, they can't have responded the best. Cause like technically it's, it started there and like, therefore their numbers are going to be worse off in general. Like you're, there's lots of things that affect like, whether it's best or not, but you do have an effect like on your own nation in terms of like your response and how, how that works. And New Zealand definitely did a great job and we'll talk about that. So to start going in a little bit more of the chronologic of what happened. So February in February 2nd, so pretty early on, right? It was about, I'd say early March, early to mid March that everything really kind of like started to become serious around the world. Um, but within China, like the virus definitely was like started 2019, right? COVID-19, um, late 2019. So February 2nd, New Zealand banned China um, the day after the first non-Chinese citizen died from the virus. So like they were pretty quick in that. Um, and there were other countries that did this too, but anyway, we'll continue. And then on March 16th, which is similar to when like lots of things started closing, um, they basically had uh, everyone coming into New Zealand, like had to go through quarantine. So they were a little bit on the earlier side in terms of that. Um, and then they closed the borders to non-citizens. Do you, do you know if that, um, that self, that isolation, mm -hmm. that was not in a hotel. Is that right? Um, managed isolation and quarantine is what I saw. Um, so managed mean, uh, I'm guessing the, I don't know if it was exactly in a hotel or not, is the answer to your question. I'm very good at answering okay, cause, cause I, different I, questions. I know currently, currently they have um, ho quarantine hotels. So if you come into the country, you have to go and stay in a hotel room for 14 days for your isolation. And then you go out into the community is what they call it. And as of now, like they're still being super careful and you can only really go back if you're like, uh, like if you live in New Zealand or if you like are, are a New Zealand uh, um, citizen, yeah. citizen, barring like other extenuating circumstances. Um, and you talked about Australia a little bit. That's kind of the exception to the rule. Okay. So you said that they went, they went into a isolation very early, very yeah. early on. They, they, they banned, uh, travel from China very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, what happened next? They they did a lot of like things as like we heard about them around the world of like what we what started to become effective right like at the beginning of the pandemic I would say um, we were less sure like are masks helpful or not and now like we're pretty sure like yeah masks are helpful um, 
And there's lots of other examples of this. And you look back on, you're like, oh, why didn't the politicians do this earlier? But really, a lot of it was being figured out as we went. And New Zealand definitely was one of the early adopters in lots of those things, whether it's um, like self-isolation when you come into a country, whether it's closed borders, whether it's um, mass, whether it's uh, uh, lockdowns in one's home. Uh, one thing I, one thing that, and, and you look at like other countries did this too, like what makes New Zealand so special? Um, and one, the thing that I like keep coming back to is like, they had a really good like response, like in terms of the, their communication, um, their communication and like keeping the people in the loop, but also keeping people part of like the national like identity and culture with it was I think a huge part of it. Cause you look at lots of other nations and there was a lot more infighting, like a lot more, uh, Definitely people be, politicized more, I'm guessing. Politicized yeah. more, but also just like p people were kind of going, th there were two sides. And in democracies, a lot of times the way you, you, you compromise and like give both sides what they want. And unfortunately with COVID, like if you go in the middle, like you're still going to have problems, right? You kind of have to um, go all all in, in in a different way. New Zealand definitely went all in in terms of like quarantine, staying safe. And at um, their worst, they had 89 cases in a day. That was their peak. Um, which is really low. Um, and uh... Yeah, so New Zealand had uh, not as many cases as perhaps you would expect of a country of its population. Mm -hmm. um, but it really shows the effectiveness of their lockdowns and their, their travel bans. And something that's also quite obvious, geographically speaking, we spoke about how it's, it's essentially a very isolated island. You mm -hmm. said about how uh, humans had... Yeah, it's one of the last places yeah. in the earth to have human habitation. To be set, one of so, the largest land areas to be human settled. The, the ability to close off all, bo all borders around you is relatively easy. Yeah. Which is, you know, a real bonus in, in COVID. If you imagine you are, um, let's say, the country of... Um, Austria. Austria is a great example. Let's say you know, you're going to struggle to close your borders a lot more because your your freight, your transport, the movement of people mm -hmm. relies on road traffic as well as air air traffic for Austria. So a boat, a boat bringing in uh, cargo has a lot less people per volume of goods right. than, a, than a truck. A truck has a lot more people, which means there's more people that have to be served, catered, that can come in and out of your country uh, who might have COVID. And in the open borders of the EU, like it's really easy to like cross a road into Aust Austria. Whereas in New Zealand, like you're, like you said, you're coming on a boat or you're coming on a plane. Like all the people are like 90, probably 99% are fit into those two categories, if not more. How would you get there if not by boat and I guess I don't know. I'm just anyway, leaving my. I hate saying right. like all or never. Like I'm giving myself a little bit of an out. <laughs> okay. So somebody could have swam to New Zealand. I don't know. <laughs> what is it? Two two thousand kilometers from uh, Australia. I don't I think. know. People are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but the the idea is that it's easier for them to lock down their borders. And and let's take a really good example. One that you know, obviously we got compared to a lot is is the uk itself mm -hmm. you know we're an island yeah. surely we can just close it down but we also have a tunnel connecting yeah. us to tunnel. europe so and, and we also have a land border on in ireland mm -hmm. so there are elements of that makes it harder i'm not going to say that the uk 
wasn't able to do the same things as New Zealand, but it's a little bit more difficult. Also, I think it's a, it's a, it's a little bit different because UK has like 14 times the population of New Zealand, right? So you're actually tracking a lot more like people in general in terms of like coming in and out. Like I'm sure the like the amount of people who come I to come in and leave the UK is significantly higher than New Zealand just because it has a larger population in general. Um, but yeah. yeah, I totally agree with you. Exactly. And then something else that we, we've alluded to slightly is, is New Zealand compared to the UK again, you know, UK is similar area in population. Uh, the UK has 68 million people. Mm-hmm. In terms of population density, New Zealand kind of has has those numbers on its yeah, side as well. And it's a pretty rural country. Like it's it's not Papua New Guinea rural, but I'm um, go to the last time. Uh, you can go see that in episode six. Um, but the it's definitely like like we talked about there an outdoorsy culture. Like it's a significant amount of people who are uh, uh, rural. Yeah, and their the sorry the Auckland, not their capital, their biggest city, is I think it's approximately 20 times less dense than American cities. So that the density, they, they have the density on the side, even in their cities, not just in the, mm-hmm. in the whole country, they have less dense cities and they are a less dense country as well. Mm-hmm. So the spread of COVID-19, it, you know, they've got a lot more, they've got a bigger ability to social distance essentially. Yeah. And like, and they're definitely like, they have a standard of living that's quite high amongst uh for a country so like a lot of them have have a place to quarantine in a lot of ways um like the human development index is quite high in uh in new zealand and and that also allows them to suffer uh not suffer through but um get through periods where they do have to do lockdown i saw that there were only like three things open during lockdown like grocery stores gas stations and medical centers um which arguably is even is a lot more restrictive a lockdown than other uh other uh, areas and nations. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about like the communication strategy. I alluded to that a little bit. Um, they were very much like they were going on the, they made sure like every news program, like at night, I uh, like had a section for COVID and um, they mandated that where like the anchor had to talk about it. Um, they had like the health minister on every like night um, to talk about COVID and they like were constantly reinforcing like, they weren't just like going on and talking about it and like scaring people. It was very much like, Hey, this is what you should do. Um, this is why you should do it. We're not just going to tell you to do something. Like you're not going to listen to your government. If they tell you to do something, you're going to listen to your government. If they tell you, Hey, this is what you should do. And here's the science or the why to back it up. Um, and then they also did it like in a really friendly, like empathetic way. Um, and I, I feel like yeah. that really contributed to like the nation, like kind of doing this together as opposed to um, having conflict about it. Yeah. And, and one of the things is, uh, in the UK, we had that as well. We had our health minister still today goes up in front of everybody and says, that's the the numbers today. And, and that's, that's what's happened with, with COVID. Um, but our sort of communication was just a bit all over the place. We had, uh, some of the things we were told different to one week to a different to another week. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a mess and people did struggle to understand what was open today and we had different areas as well, whereas New Zealand was very simple, easy to follow, and methodical. You could you could also argue that uh, New Zealand's very well educated as well as a as a country. They have very good universities, and they have a very high percentage of people that go to tertiary education. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
you could say that uh, people's reception to the reasons why is higher. Do you feel are like certain areas like do uh, counties and like areas of the UK have like more autonomy um, in terms of like their rules and regulations um, during COVID? Uh, they, they did. Yeah. So yeah. it was same in the United States, like states had their own and the counties had their own and even some cities had their own. And it sounds like like in some ways when you have a really large country like the United States or the United Kingdom, like it becomes a little bit harder because different areas like have different rules and people don't like being told like like having five different rules and they're like, I don't like it's confusing. Right. Whereas New Zealand, like I think it's small population also contributes to like why it's covid free. It's, it's able to leverage that a lot more in terms of keeping that communication cohesive would you agree yeah i would absolutely yeah should we talk a little bit about like because it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows like we can't just like put new zealand completely on a high pedestal um and that brings up i want to say two things and you can uh, i'll let you add on um but like one is new zealand realized that they weren't well equipped at the very beginning of the pandemic um they realized that like they had not gone through sars and some of the other uh uh, small pandemics that Asia had gone through that made them very well prepared. And they realized that like this thing was going up. And part of the reason they like took such a really strong approach is because they realized that they didn't think they were prepared. They were like, one thing about the New Zealand people that keeps coming up is like, they're very humble people, right? They don't want someone like bombasting themselves about how great they are. Like they're, they're, they're a humble culture. And as a result, they, they looked at it and they're like, Hey, this COVID, like, this is a serious thing. We don't think we can completely deal with it. Therefore, we are going to like set a little bit uh, stronger. I think the the quote I saw was like harder and faster like uh, rules um, in terms of like quarantine from the very beginning. And I think that uh, contributed a lot to their success. Yeah. One thing we, we never actually mentioned was that um, is the question is, why is New Zealand COVID free? Mm hmm. Um, the answer to that question is it's not. Yeah. It's it's actually not COVID free. However, uh, and very similar to Australia here, is they distinguish between community cases and quarantine cases. And in the community, there are no cases. Mm -hmm. But then in the isolation hotels is where, if you, if you look at the, okay, the amount of COVID uh, cases they get, uh, they still get some. Mm-hmm every day but they are in the quarantine hotels they are managed and, and of people who have come in from elsewhere exactly yeah mm -hmm. that's that's smart and i think covid free uh, i i'd argue like for example in july um in july early july they they uh, had some people come in and uh, from outside the country who were like native, right? So they were allowed to come in and they were quarantining and they actually got out of quarantine early. And this is another struggle New Zealand had is like uh, some people like when they were just like allowed to do when it wasn't as government controlled, um, they were allowed to or they weren't allowed, but some people left quarantine early and it actually started up a few cases. Um, and it was such a big deal in New Zealand that actually like the health minister resigned after this happened. Um, and it's, and it's not as simple as like, Oh, there were two cases. I saw headlines that like, Oh, two cases in New Zealand health minister has to resign. Um, it's not that simple. Like he also like, apparently like didn't follow the rules himself. And then also the, uh, the whole process that he was supposed to set up of like people quarantining wasn't being followed. Um, and then those two cases were just a good example of those like cases getting out into the actual country.
Yeah. Yeah. And so something that I would also like to add is about this, there's something called a travel bubble, mm-hmm. um, which New Zealand has exclusively with Australia at the moment, at the time of recording, where citizens of Australia or residents of Australia and New Zealand are freely allowed to travel between the two countries uh, without any restrictions, which it sounds quite crazy to us at the moment. Um, I, I know that there are some borders in the world which do allow people to cross, but there's not many of them mm-hmm. um, freely without tests or quarantine. Uh, but the Australia-New Zealand bubble is one of those. And for a long time, uh, Australia's had a very similar approach to New Zealand in its uh, COVID response. But uh, being part of a bigger country and perhaps a bit slower with implementation, they've they struggled a bit more, particularly earlier on. And they had, you know, they had a big, long six month lockdown in uh, Victoria and particularly the city of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has there's a strategy that Australia have also adopted has led to a no COVID or a COVID free country. Mm-hmm. So the question is, why don't those two countries sort of team up and form a bubble and they, they have done and that's uh, good to see uh, and it's a good way out that we can see of covid mm-hmm. but for a long time uh new zealand residents were allowed to travel to australia but mm. australian residents were not allowed to travel to new zealand okay and only in the last month or so has it been um two-way more mutual travel. okay yeah uh, and they said that that's how they want to open up their travel and tourist sectors um, by waiting until countries don't have any COVID uh, until until they open up a bubble, which sort of brings me on to talking about the tourism sector in New Zealand and, and, how, and how big it is to New Zealand. It's all inclusive. It's probably about 10% of its GDP. Which is significant. Which is, yeah incredibly significant um and it's not really part of the the tourism industry is i think it's part of the uh, education industry is that foreign students uh, is new zealand's fourth largest export oh wow you know they contribute about three billion us dollars to the country's economy um so they really have taken a hit by taking on these measures uh, economically and it's particularly with tourism, as we've just said, where, uh, you know, they have fjords, they have surfing, skiing, they have great cities to go and visit. They have, um, you know, one of the things that I want to go and see is Waitamno Caves, which is uh, mm-hmm. caves full of glowworms. Yeah. It's very pretty. They have lava tubes, they have forests, you know, they've got very unique flora and fauna, as we've said. Uh, and it's very attractive to a lot of people. And at the moment, it's it's closed to that many people because of their COVID rules and they're willing to take that um, compromise. Definitely. And I saw that like, despite that, um, they actually like the, the, they've actually beat their projections in terms of like fiscal and economy um, and partly as a result of doing COVID well. Um, and you're like, Savvy, how's that possible with like 10% of the like tourism gone? And it's because when COVID happened, like everybody kind of like dropped in terms of like projections for like the future in terms of like uh, um, economy for the economy. But uh, New Zealand's been able to like beat those because 
like I said, people are going to concerts. People are able to stimulate the economy within New Zealand um, as a result of like them being their own bubble and being more uh, quote unquote COVID free. Um, and they've actually like, like the government through enacting these policies, it hurt a lot more at the beginning, but I'd argue it's like been more beneficial over the long run. Yeah. Um, so the last thing I really have is like the kind of ties it all together is like they did some polling at the end of the lockdown and it showed remarkably high levels in like public trust and government and social cohesion um, and a nice sense of like national pride. Um, and I want to like put that as like kind of like the cap to it. So yeah, they went through all this, like a lot of uh, hard stuff, like through this COVID to make themselves COVID free. And it's actually like, it's not just been beneficial from the perspective of like COVID free and like less deaths, which is so important, but also the fact that like, like the country is still kind of like, it's almost stronger as a result of the, uh, of the, of the global pandemic than weaker. And I'm sure they miss the tourists cause like they're like so friendly. They love like talking to people who are coming in and I'm, uh, once that happens, yeah. I think it'll be good. They cool. are a well-traveled people as well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that is a wrap on episode seven of this podcast. Why is the world? Yeah, and please don't forget to subscribe to our Twitterstagram at podcast Why is the world? And you'll be able to see maybe some extra content previews uh, and you know you'll have a say in you know what our upcoming episodes and work could be as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Definitely and definitely subscribe if you haven't already. Um, this has been Savian Miles. And as they say in New Zealand, Kia ora. Kia ora. <laughs>